Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm your host, Justin Milner. The statistics are sobering. About one in five American children live in families with earnings below the federal poverty line. For those 15 million children, having a better life than their parents can seem like a distant goal. The good news is that we know that when society invests in kids, we can help to change that cycle. And those investments don't have to be huge. For example, a $3,000 increase in family income for a young child living in poverty is associated with a 17% increase in that child's earnings when they become an adult. Researchers know this from long-term experiments that date all the way back to the 1960s, when the federal government under President Lyndon Johnson got serious about fighting poverty. And this administration today, here and now, declares unconditional war on poverty in America. It will not be a short or easy struggle. No single weapon or strategy will suffice. But we shall not rest until that war is won. The evidence shows that decreasing poverty for the next generation of adults requires investing in children today. In this episode, we're going to take a look at what those investments in kids from the federal government look like in the 50-plus years since the launch of the War on Poverty. We'll look at what spending is now, where it's going in the future, and what that means for America's children. Supporting kids seems like something everyone, regardless of party or politics, can get behind. From the left, the promise we make to our children. The idea that no matter who they are, what they look like, where they start, how much their parents earn. They can make it if they try. To the right. It's time to come together to get it done so that we can truthfully say in America, no child will be left behind. Not one single child. And even pop legends agree. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty The question remains, are politicians really interested in investing in kids, or is this just a nice thing to say on the campaign trail? Let's look at the data. In 2017, the federal government spent $3.9 trillion total, a gigantic sum of money. That covers all federal programs and tax refunds. Of that, 9%, or $375 billion, went to kids. To figure out what's in that 9%, we spoke with Heather Hahn, senior fellow at the Urban Institute. She researches policies that affect children and families and co-authors an annual report on the share of the federal budget going to kids. So 9% of our federal budget goes to children. And when we think about spending on children, you probably will think about things like childcare and Head Start and things that we associate with children. But actually, the biggest category of spending on children are tax expenditures. This highlights an important note about the way the budget works. 
The federal government runs and pays for a lot of big programs like Social Security, but they also give money directly back to families who earn below a certain amount. Heather explains. So there's the earned income tax credit, the child care tax credit, the child tax credit, dependent exemption. Those are a very large part of what supports children. The program, single program with the greatest spending on children is Medicaid. We don't think of Medicaid as a children's program necessarily, but a quarter of Medicaid funding goes to children. Current spending on kids looks like it's about 9% of the budget. What, how does that track with past spending levels over the last 10 years or so? Well, one, let me take it back farther than that. So let me go all the way back to 1960, which is where this report begins. And if we look all the way back at 1960, spending on children has increased from about 3% to the 9% that it is now. The increase starting in the 1960s was part of President Johnson's effort to jumpstart the war on poverty. So in, in 1960, it was primarily the dependent exemption. That was the biggest expenditure on children. And over time, we've had Medicaid, which allows low-income children to have health insurance. We've had the food stamp program, now called SNAP, that supports uh, nutrition assistance. Uh, we've had more and more tax credits the earned income tax credit, so that low-income families who are working can get some financial benefit from the government. And so as these programs have been introduced, spending on children has increased. But now we're at a point where we're down from the peak in 2010 of 10.6%. We're down to 9%, and it's projected to continue falling through 2028. That recent 2010 peak in the kids' share of the budget was during the Great Recession, as the federal government helped support spending on kids that is normally covered by the states. During the recession, the federal government spent additional money on kids because states were not able to. That was why there was a peak in federal spending during the recession, and Part of the reduction in spending on children is a matter of that extra spending going away. This decline is not just a return to pre-recession spending levels. Looking forward, kids will actually get a smaller slice of the pie than before. That's because other parts of the budget are growing in size and pushing the kids' share down. The biggest single bucket or chapter that we talked about in the federal budget is spending on the adult portion of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Those currently take up 45% of our budget and are projected to continue growing. The other area that is projected to continue growing is interest on the debt. And those two areas will continue growing. And if we don't make a bigger pie, if we don't increase our revenues, then Spending in those two areas is going to squeeze out everything else, including children. In fact, payments towards interest on the debt will grow from 7% now to 13% in 2028, almost double the share for kids in the same year. And that doesn't take into account population growth. While the kids' share of the budget goes down, the number of kids is going up. This means that spending per child will decrease in the coming years, which is a cause for concern. What we have seen with the war on poverty is that federal programs actually work 
to help reduce poverty. We've also seen that when children receive nutrition assistance, when they receive a health insurance through through Medicaid, that those services and and benefits have direct effects on children's health and nutrition. They have long-term effects on their their well-being, their future wages, and so forth. They also reduce the stress on family finances so that families can stretch their budgets farther and afford rent and school supplies and clothes and things for their children. It is those supports that are helping families out of poverty. And if we take away those supports, we are pulling the rug out from under them, and we can fully expect that poverty levels will will rise again and hardship will rise. So what we've been talking about so far is what spending will look like in the future if current laws and policies remain in place. But realistically, that might not happen. In fact, the most recent budget proposal by the Trump administration would impact spending on kids even more. Though the budget is unlikely to pass in Congress, it's still an important indicator of the current administration's spending priorities. With the president's budget proposal, the amount of children's spending would be even lower than under current law and uh, as a share of the economy. We estimate that kids' spending will be about 6% lower under the president's budget over the next 10 years than under current law. That's Kerry Liu, research associate at the Urban Institute. He studied the president's proposed budget and says even a 6% decrease from current projections is worth paying attention to. 6% of $375 billion a year, which is slated to grow very slowly over the next 10 years, is quite a lot, especially if it's focused in certain areas and certain programs which are rel- already relatively small. This means we need to look beyond just the proposed cuts in the aggregate and pay attention to which particular programs might be affected. Relative to current law, this year's president's budget cuts back on early care and education spending and K-12 through education spending the most. So this means there's less investment in young children, uh, which has had the largest evidence or the strongest evidence for positive impacts, as well as uh, sort of funding for schools, including uh, special education and Title I, so sort of funding targeted at lower-income children and children with special needs. One rationale for these types of cuts might be a decrease in demand for the programs, but Kerry does not see that taking place. The president's proposed cuts do not reflect a decline in need or demand for these programs. The child population is growing, and with increased emphasis on work, childcare programs also can help parents as work supports and and places where... um, Children not only receive education and stimulation, but also are able to be cared for while parents are at work. Still, while the needs of kids and families in poverty represent an important area of concern, it's not readily apparent where resources might come from to increase supports even if policymakers wanted to. One idea is to shift funds from entitlement programs focused on the elderly to programs focused on the young. But it's not that simple. Here's Heather again. There are no easy answers here. And it is true that we are spending 45% of our budget on those entitlement programs. So if we're going to shift things, we need to think about how to reform them in ways that are efficient. But we need to be really careful when we do that because the programs for seniors have drastically reduced poverty for seniors 
over the decades. Medicare and Social Security are very important supports for keeping seniors out of poverty. If we were to simply take money away from that and reduce our investment there, we would run the risk that adult children would then have to take on a greater financial responsibility and even day-to-day caregiving responsibility for their parents and may be less able to support their children. So I think we need to take a step back, recognize that solutions will require compromise, and think about our common commitment to children. If we want to invest in children, then we need to figure out what compromises are we going to make that may entail reforms to the entitlement programs. Our common commitment to children for their own sake is important, and there's benefits to society at large. Today's children are going to be adults tomorrow who are contributing to our economy. We know that investments in children pay off. In fact, investments in children probably pay off more than most other investments. When children grow up to be well-functioning adults who can contribute to the economy and grow our economy, that means they can also grow that pie and we have more resources to invest in all of our priorities. In other words, we all believe that children are our future, but in order to truly let them lead the way We need to provide the supports and opportunities for them to be successful. And that's going to require safeguarding a significant kids' share of the budget now and going forward. Here's Heather with a closing thought. I think if we are serious about our valuing children and recognizing the investment in children as an investment, then we need to keep an eye on the full budget and those large trends and think about what compromises do we need to make? What solutions can we find so that we can adequately invest in our children and in our future? As always, we'll close with some key takeaways. Here's three things you need to know. One, spending on kids in the federal budget grew from 3% in 1960 to 9% now but is expected to go down in the next 10 years. It may fall by even more if current law is changed. Under the president's proposed budget, funding for kids would decrease further with sharp cuts in early care and education spending. Two, the share of the budget devoted to kids is getting squeezed out by two main factors, rapidly growing entitlement expenditures on the adult portion of Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security, and growing payments toward the interest on our national debt. By 2028, payments on debt interest are projected to take up twice as much budget space as spending on kids. And three, finding the money to invest in our kids isn't as simple as just moving funds from programs that support older Americans to ones that help younger ones. We need to focus on our common commitment to children and look for compromises and solutions that stem from that shared interest. So that's our show. Thanks again to Heather Hahn and Carrie Liu. If you like our show, spread the word. We appreciate the support of listeners like you and need your help connecting us to other smart, policy-minded folks out there. And please take a few seconds to rate the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Just jump in there, hit five stars, and boom, you did your good deed for the day. 
Big shout out to our sound editor, Riley Byrne, and to Connor Burwell, our awesome summer intern who produced this episode, and to Katie Smith and Kate Villarreal for all their help. Our theme music is by Moby. For everyone on the Critical Value team, this is Justin Milner signing off.